You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to My Dog Digs Dirt. I'm your host, Lauren Collier. If you've ever dreamed of starting your own pet business, maybe you have an idea for a fun product or service, you certainly aren't alone. The pet industry continues to grow and flourish. In 2005 alone, Americans spent over $60 billion on our fabulous furry friends. On today's show, we will meet four pet lovers who turn their pet ideas into new and innovative products and businesses, hear their stories, and be inspired. Pet entrepreneurs on My Dog Digs Dirt right after this. Are you confused by the overwhelming number of supplements for your dog? Developed by a veterinarian, Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver is designed to address many of the common problems your dog faces today, including allergies, inflammatory diseases, arthritis, hip dysplasia, geriatric problems, and more. Restore and maintain your dog's health with Dr. Baker's all-natural canine system saver. Order two bottles today and receive 20% off plus free shipping. Visit Canine System SystemSaver.com. To get this special offer, enter coupon code RS20 at checkout. It's DesignerPetSweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit DesignerPetSweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. DesignerPetSweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We're back, and you're listening to My Dog Digs Dirt. They're cuddly, comforting, and oh-so-cute with over 86 million pet cats and almost 78 million pet pooches in the USA alone. It's no surprise that the pet industry is turning into a big business. So what does it take to be a creative, successful pet entrepreneur? Well, on today's show, we're going to talk to four of them. And first up, we say hello to Jamie Carrero, who is creative and technical director of Disco Dog, an LED-powered vest for your pooch. Jamie, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me on. I have to tell you, a friend actually went to uh, one of your events, saw the vest, showed me the video, and I fell in love. It's absolutely adorable. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much. Now, for those listeners who have not seen it, let's tell them exactly what it is. Sure. So Disco Dog is an LED uh, vest 
for your dog. It's wearable technology for dogs. So um, it's a typical dog jacket. What's different about it is we have embedded 256 full-color LEDs inside, and you can control them all with your smartphone. So as your dog is walking around, you can display animations and text and really anything you want on your dog. It's so cute. And we're going to be showing uh, people can see the video on your page. What I love is the fact that it can even be used for safety reasons. You can, oh, absolutely. It, right? um, yeah, I think that it's really great if you're walking your dog uh, at night and also just at a distance. It makes your dog a lot more visible. Um, there's another function that we think uh, contributes to the safety, which is called lost dog mode. If the Disco Dog Jacket loses its connection with your phone uh, for more than a few minutes, it will display a custom lost dog message so that if your dog uh, runs off while wearing the jacket, people could see on there, oh, okay, this dog is lost. I should look at its tag. I should call its owner. Oh, absolutely. And it's very clear. That's what I love about it. And very colorful, as you said. How does it work? I mean, you're saying it's controlled with one's smartphone. Is that right? Yeah, so there's a rechargeable battery uh, inside the Disco Dog Vest. Um, so just like any other device, you charge it up and you know, it'll run for an hour or two. And then each of those LEDs can accept commands about what color and brightness to show. So there's a little tiny computer in there uh, that's running all those LEDs, and it has a Bluetooth connection back to your phone. So we've written a custom Disco Dog app that runs on both iOS and Android uh, that allows you to connect with it and tell it what colors, what different animations. You can write in text to scroll across the vest, all of that. And it sends that um, to the Disco Dog vest. This is so funny. And I have a big 132-pound dog. So I'm assuming this is made to order. Uh, How does that work if a listener is interested in maybe getting one? Well, the the position we're in now, let me tell you just a little bit more about our company. Uh, What We're called Party New York. And what we typically do is work for clients in the advertising space. So if someone has brand and they want to get some attention with something interesting, we do that for them. And we typically Ah. work at the intersection of creativity and technology. So as part of that professional practice, we have programmers, we have, uh, you know, uh, people who can build electronics in addition to filmmakers and designers and all that kind of talent. So it enables us in our free time to build projects that are interesting to us. And of course, Doug. Yeah, exactly. Disco Dog is an example of that uh, sort of side pursuit. So what we usually do is when we have an idea that we like, we'll build a prototype or build a few prototypes and test them with an audience. This is one that went a little bit farther. We actually ran a Kickstarter um, and were able to ship about 100 of these to different backers all around the world. But what we're looking for now is really a, a manufacturing partner, somebody who can help us bring this to scale, make it a little bit more efficient, more economical, and make sure that as many people can enjoy this uh, as they want to. So right now we are making them as uh, custom builds, uh, but we're very interested in finding a way to bring it to dogs of all sizes all over the world. It's interesting. So as a pet entrepreneur, you come up with this idea and then you sort of have to see where it goes. Was it difficult? Did When you first told them, I have this idea for this vest that lights up, were people like, what are you, crazy <laughs> for my dog? Or Well, we were lucky enough to be part of, um, of a small business incubator at the New Museum uh, here in New York, and it's called New Inc., And what they do is you essentially get some office space and it's like a residency. So you have a certain project or certain business that you're trying to develop and then you're in a building right next to the museum and you get the time and space to work on that. 
So we developed Disco Dog as part of our time at Newick. And at the end of that session, they had something called Demo Day, where everyone got together and they selected a few of the projects for people to get up on stage and pitch to this audience at the museum. So that was the first time that Disco Dog was revealed to the public in any form at all. And we had, uh, you know, a friend of ours has this very cute dog, which is the one from the video. Um, and uh-huh. we have, uh, that her name is her name is Lolly. So Lolly <laughs> modeled for us um, in the first prototype of Disco Dog. And the audience was really charmed by it. And it was that yeah. happy reaction, that joyful reaction, everyone saying, hey, I want to see this go farther, that pushed us to take that next step and, and run the Kickstarter. And then the press that surrounded the Kickstarter has really encouraged us to try and find a way to bring this to scale. Has it been difficult? I mean, is it hard to be a pet entrepreneur? Do you have advice for our listeners who might be interested in doing something similar, not to your product, but just really to get into the pet business? I mean, I would say the number one thing is do what you can to get it in the hands of pets and pet owners as soon as you can. Very early. I mean, it seems like an, you know the obvious thing you would do, but that kind of testing to show you the unexpected things, the things that you didn't even think about, that's what's been the most uh, educational for us and also the most rewarding to see people enjoy it, to see them enjoy it in ways that we didn't expect. And it, you know that has led to, um, even in Disco Dog, some changes in the software, some changes in the functionality to really give people more uh, of what they want. And then, uh, yeah, I think that's also the huge benefit of this is we've gotten to meet so many dogs and dog people Uh um, as part of this project. And it's just this endless stream of wonderful pets and people that we get to meet. And then we get all these great photos of people wearing Disco Dog. Yeah, I mean, it's a really adorable product. I hope for you that it continues to grow. And I hope that people, our listeners, will tune in and, and be able to take a look. Where can people see this, Jamie? I think your advice to be flexible when you're creating something is very important as well. So if someone's interested in this gorgeous, hysterical, though very cute disco dog vest, what should they do or interested in helping you to um, make it go a little bit further? Where can they contact you? The home of the project right now is discodog.nyc. That's the best place to start uh, if you're interested in that project. And there are links there for getting in contact with us. And you can also check out our company that, that we do kind of um, as, as a main gig. So discodog, just D-I-S-C-O-D-O-G dot N-Y-C. Fantastic. And maybe you'll make some for cats too coming up the road. Oh, yeah. Ah, that's right. the size and, then, and then getting the cats to cooperate. Yeah, and and uh, just let me ask you briefly, though, what is it? Is it uh, lightweight, comfortable for the dog? Because, of course, your, your uh, model there, she's little, so she seemed very comfortable in it in the video. It is very lightweight, yes. The LEDs are very small, and the, the battery is a, a very lightweight. It's akin to the type of thing that you would be in a, a thin cell phone, but it requires even less power than that. And then the microcontroller is, you know, it's smaller than a, than a quarter. So it's, yeah. it's a very tiny computer in there. I keep thinking a moving billboard or a moving Christmas tree. Very cute. Jamie, thank you so much for being here. That's Disco Dog. Yes, thank you. I I like the product. It's very cute. We're continuing our wonderful show about pet entrepreneurs. The world of pet fashion is certainly exploding. I mean, you can find pet clothes, shoes, coats, and now even elaborate bows and fascinators. Welcome Susan McGuire, owner, founder, and designer of Misson De Woof. Did I say that right, Susan? It, perfect. Yay! Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you. I am in love with your accessories. Head accessories, really, which I just, is it's so funny because I would think, what dog or cat would wear that? But they kind of like it. How did you get started? 
They do. Uh, well, we adopted a really, really lovely Shih Tzu. We were very fortunate to have her. And when we adopted her, she had this beautiful strawberry blonde hair that I just wanted to put a nice bow on. And I was looking everywhere for something that would actually suit her. And I'm a shoe fiend. So every woman that loves shoes knows you want something different. You want something fashionable. And I didn't want to just put a grosgrain ribbon on her. So it wasn't fair. There was a gap in the market. So I suddenly started making all these different elaborate bows that grew into a business that from bows, they went to fascinators to headpieces. It's fantastic. That was the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. She's so adorable. And uh, it's so funny because when I think of the fascinators, I always think of the queen. It just seems like, (laughs) right. So what, what are some of the materials that you use? Because your items are really just beautiful. They're very, very creative. Well, thank you. You know, I, again, I didn't want anything that was in the norm and I wanted something that would really be a really high quality piece. So a lot of the bows I source out of vintage uh, vintage ribbon shops. So some of them will be French silk ribbons that we choose, and that usually is the inspiration for a particular type of bow. Or I might, might find vintage crystals that we need to set in a setting, and that will inspire what ribbon we choose. Um, the fascinators themselves, the reason that they have to be wool, it's usually merino wool that I use, is because that's what the old milliners would use. So you have mm. to be able to steam it to set it into a hat form. So the better the material, the better the hat really is, and the better the material, the better the bow is. Absolutely. So what, yeah. Now, what about your customer? Who is your customer? Now, my Anoki is a big girl. She's 130 pounds, and you were kind enough to make her a beautiful hat. So, And your Babette is a little bit smaller. So how does that work? Does somebody come to you and you custom design each different hat and uh, each different uh, elaborate bow? I have certain bows that are just bows that I'll make up that I will only be able to make a certain amount. So those work really well for, you know, the small dogs that have top knots because those can be almost universal. But when we're talking about a fascinator, you know, fascinators and I believe hats, especially for any pet, shouldn't be one size fits all because it doesn't and it makes them uncomfortable. And even though you're addressing a dog, the dog should still be comfortable and should be Mm -hmm. able to be a dog. So for certain pieces, I've designed hats that I already know work with certain breeds. So I know what would work on a a chihuahua, what would work on a shih tzu, what would work on a cat. And I recommend for certain clients certain hat forms, and then they can custom design if they'd like, or I could recommend X hat that I already have that is being sold. For other people in a custom design, we may actually have a meeting. Like a hat should be for any girl. So Anoki is a is a bit bigger than Babette. <laughs> I'd say so. Hat form <laughs> and actually make it in a larger shape, but maybe shape it so it fits Anoki's head more comfortably, and she doesn't have to wear so much of a strap underneath her chin. So we could almost clip it to her beautiful long hair. Well, you know, I'm fascinated by the fact that. Even she, who I thought would never want to wear something like that, which she doesn't do on a daily basis, but, you know, um, that really it seems like they sort of like wearing them. And especially since you uh, make them to order, like I know in my case, you had me measure Anoki's uh, head. So I guess if someone out there is interested, that's one of the things that you'll have them do. You measure to fit kind of thing. 
Sure. If somebody if somebody is not placing a custom order, then then usually I'll make an adjustable elastic strap. But if I have the opportunity for to do it for a client, I'll say let's measure so you don't have to have an adjustable strap. We can actually have it perfectly fit your particular pup or cat or bunny, whatever it is. Bunnies. The, the dog, again, yeah, I've had some bunnies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> But, you know, the the pets usually enjoy it because they're getting attention, they yes. get positive attention. So I think that that's important. As long as they're comfortable and they're happy and other people are saying, hey, you're very cute, let me pet you, I think uh-huh. it's a positive thing for them. Now, was it hard to start your business? You know, what advice would you have to others out there who might be thinking of doing their own, uh, you know, pet-based business? Was it a hard start? You had this great idea. How did you get it going to make this wonderful company? Well, I I think that the hardest thing is that there's so much out there in the pet industry. So everybody's doing something. I think see what's in the market, make sure that you're not duplicating something that's already there, and then go out into the pet community and meet and, and talk with people and figure out you know, what is the community that you're trying to reach and go out to them. I do a lot of you know getting together with different rescue groups and talking with them, and you know I get together and do charity events, and that's where I got to meet a lot of the wonderful community that loves to loves fashion for their dogs. So I would Absolutely. say make sure that you're 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 reaching the community out there and talking. And you know most of my community is New York and California. Those are the people. And so it may be those people who are really, really interested in fashion in my particular case, because it's not just a, a, a simple dog bow. Some of these are really just inspired by what's going out there in the fashion world. And this show is a perfect opportunity to expand that audience because we're heard around the world. And I know around the world there are pet lovers just like us as well. So, Susan, do you have a couple of favorites you can talk about? We're going to be showing some photos uh, on your title page for the show. Uh, Do you have one or two that you remember making that you said, ah, those are really great? There is a couple that I just made for the Glamour Girl shoot. Um, And I don't remember if it's one that I sent along. There was a pink hat that has an ombre glitter on the base. It took three days. It takes usually two days to make a hat base because it's done in the old-fashioned style. And then I have to actually sew in a special custom wiring in it so it's comfortable for the pup, so it's soft and flexible. And this particular one took an extra day because we custom glittered the top. And I had these fabulous feathers that I found that, that had been dyed in ombre fashion as well. And I just thought that it was so much fun. And the feathers had a beautiful flow to them that on every pup that tried on the hat, it would sit on them differently and it would flow around their head really beautifully. So I love that one. And I think that one may be in a picture that's on Amazing Grace, which is uh, one of the client's pups, Summer's pup. I also love the bows that are my new bows that are kind of like top-knot tiaras, I call them. So it's a bow that clips to the front, just like a normal bow would be, but it has something that goes around the actual top knot. So there is one that has sort of a pink, almost Brazilian style to it Wow! Uh, in crystals that sticks up that I absolutely love uh-huh. that I, I've been wearing on Bebet lately. See, our, our so listeners, probably- they've got to see your work. So much goes into it. You are a designer. How do you get your inspiration for certain hats? Could I come to you and say, oh, I have this idea. Can you recreate it? Or is it also you thinking of ideas all the time? 
I'm constantly thinking of ideas, and I have a design book that I keep, so that way in the middle of the night I have an inspiration. Uh-huh. Or I love vintage, so mm. it, we watch many old movies, so if I see something in an old movie, I might sketch something out and start to create it. And then I have a, a just a, a fabulous lookbook that if clients want to look through and be inspired, they can tell me, I like this, and I like this. Uh-huh. You know, is there some way to mold them together, and we'll make something like that. For example, there's one that you don't have a photo of that's similar to one that I made for Anoki. That's a feather piece that was designed as a French can-can girl piece. I love that. That's great. So it can be anything. And boys and girls can wear them, by the way. And you say you have uh, bunny clients, too. What do you primarily design for, dogs and cats, or you'll just do any? Well, most of the cats are fascinators, and they have to be... For them, the, the head size and the shape and the ears are so different than designing for a pup. They're smaller fascinators for them, and the same thing for the bunnies. That was a new one for me as well. But <laughs> I, they, were fab- they were fabulous, and they looked adorable. So they're really, really tiny ones that you can clip onto a little bunny head. I love it. Well, Susan, I love your designs. Maison de Woof. Uh, where can our listeners find you and uh, see your wonderful work? Because they can buy things. It doesn't have to be made to order, but they can go onto your website as well. So you can check out our Etsy store. So Maison de Woof on Etsy. Uh, look for us in stores in the New York area soon. Uh, we're working that out. So I will be happy to, sh- to share that with you when we have all the store listings. And you have a website? We do. So we're www.maisondewolf.com. And if someone wants to see you at Etsy, exactly how do they do that? Some Sometimes it's confusing. Do you log on to Etsy and then put your name in or how does that work? Yeah, so you just go on to Etsy and if you put Maison de Wolf uh, into their search for stores, then we'll come right up. Fantastic. And the Etsy listing would be www.etsy and then you put in Maison de Wolf after that. Fantastic. Also, I... You're on Facebook too, right? We do have a Facebook page and we have an Instagram page. And if you're interested in seeing our Glamour Girl shots, we'll be posting them soon on on our Facebook page and our Instagram. And what are those so people can find you? Facebook is Babette's Maison de Woof. And our Instagram is at Maison de Woof. So we can find there. And that's great. Love your work, Susan. I wish you continued success. And uh, I thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you for asking me. My Dog Digs Dirt will be back right after this. I'm a U.S. Air Force member stationed overseas, and we have three rescued mutts. Stone Phillips was to be euthanized. There were bacteria crawling all over his skin. They called it elephant skin. It was rough, wrinkly, like a Brillo pad. He was in constant misery. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. We started feeding him the Dynavite, and his skin, it's a 180 turnaround. His skin has cleared up. He's not in pain. Stone is in excellent shape today. He runs stays slim and trim and follows my husband around like he worships him. I would highly encourage you to get a rescue dog and start him out on Dynavite right from the beginning, and they'll make such a difference in your life. Call 859-428-1000. 859-428-1000. Or go to Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E.com. Hi, I'm Dana Humphrey, the founder of Whitegate PR. We have been specializing in PR and marketing in the pet industry for over 10 years. 
If you have a pet product or service you would like to promote, give us a call. We can help create awareness for your brand on TV, radio, magazines, newspapers, and blogs. Feel free to reach me directly at 619-414-9307 or learn more on our website at whitegatepr.com or follow us on Facebook. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com Welcome back to My Dog Digs Dirt. Say hello to Brandon Savala, founder and president of Apollo Peak and certainly a rising star in the pet world. So delighted to have you here today, Brandon. I appreciate it. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks for having me. And you, I have to say, you have a incredibly unique pet product. So I'm going to let you tell our listeners exactly what it is you are making. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually make a wine for uh, cats and for dogs, actually. So uh, we started out um, with a cat wine, and we actually started moving our way towards um, a dog wine that's uh, available now for, um, for pet owners. I can't remember where I saw it, but I said, I've got to call him. He's got to be on the show because I'm like, what, a a wine? Like, is this for us with cat and dog names? But no, you say this is for cats and dogs. So explain that. Is it like a wine like we would drink? Uh, that's good. That's correct. Actually, it's a. It looks like something we would drink, yeah. but it's completely different. It's completely yeah. different in the sense that it's actually a lot healthier for the cats and dogs. So it's. Uh, uh, it doesn't contain grapes and it doesn't contain alcohol. But instead, it's made with. We, we brew it with uh, different herbs. For instance, with the cat wines, we make. Uh, we use catnip, of course, which kind of gets them a little excited. And for our dog ah. wines, we actually use uh, like a, a chamomile or a peppermint-based type herb for it. That helps a little bit in terms of the calming of a dog. Kind of like a nightcap, if you will, for the dog at the end of the night. And, uh, of course, we use all organic animals and and are actually pretty beneficial to them. So you say you use all organic ingredients then? So these are things that are tested for people that might fear, well, well, I'm a little afraid of this. But you're saying, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so our our products that we source are actually all organic. They come to us. um, They've already been... uh, um, approved as organic ingredients and whatnot. Now we haven't we haven't put our beverage out there as being an organic beverage yet, just because we haven't sent our product in to um, to get tested and and, and whatnot. For that, say we purchase our organic, the organic beets, organic catnip, organic herbs such as chamomile and that peppermint as well. So. Right. So they're not really drinking wine, but maybe they maybe they think they are. <laughs> they think they are. That's what matters. All right. And uh, you are a huge uh, animal lover, and you have two gorgeous cats, and you've got to tell the story about Apollo, who disappeared for two years you say but before yeah were they the ones that you tested this on like were your friends saying are you crazy when you had this idea (laughs) how did you make it work yeah yeah, I was certainly called crazy quite a bit from all my <laughs> friends. <laughs> and uh, my two cats, Apollo and Hades, actually, were uh, were definitely my test uh, test subjects in the early days. You know, I uh, I would start making different uh, combinations of our drinks and, uh, and I'd serve it to them. And Apollo is kind of a snarky cat in general. So he would look at it, he would try it once in a while, and he'd walk away. But the funny thing is uh, Hades was more of the uh, cat that actually liked the stuff and started playing with it and actually had a lot of fun with it, too. So, so Apollo was the one, essentially, that I, I would test it out with see if it's really something that most cats would like because otherwise he'll just walk away from it. <laughs> so. He's finicky, I guess. What happened? You said he, we talked before we uh, went on the air and you, and you said he disappeared for like two years. Yeah, yeah. So Apollo, I've had him for about, I guess if you, if you subtract the two years, about eight years, but he's 10 years old. Wow. Um, and actually about two years old, he snuck out of the house. <laughs> oh, no. Back in 2011, he disappeared. 
I had been looking for him for days. I had put flyers up and it just kind of got to the point where, you know, I thought that he just took off and might have been, unfortunately, the inevitable, you know, hit by a car or, uh. or, or killed by another animal or something. And, uh, you know, time went by, but I didn't forget him. That's for sure. He, he definitely was a unique cat when he was around. You know, he's always someone right. that was, uh, or a type of cat that was always on your lap and always just trying to be social with everyone. And yeah, he was gone for about two years and I, I had picked up my second cat, Hades, during that time frame. And then I, I was about almost exactly two years later uh, in 2013 where I got a call one day from a uh, local shelter and they had said, Hey, uh, is this Brandon? And I was like, yeah, this is what's, what's going on. And they said, yeah, we have your cat Apollo. Um, wow. Pick him up. <laughs> wow. Said, what? Are you kidding me? He's been gone for two years. So, uh, um, yeah, that's, that's the story. He disappeared for a while. I like to think that he went to wine school. I was just going to say, <laughs> and that, <laughs> when he heard you were making wine, he came back. He's like, I can't miss this. Uh, yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's so great that he's back and he's gorgeous yeah. and he's a big fat cat. Everybody can uh, look at our title page here so you can see Brandon with his beautiful cat. Right. So again, your friends probably thought you were crazy. What do you think it was in you that made you go forward with this? You know, because cat well, lines would seem like a deal. Yeah, yeah. Sell. It seems crazy. It really does. But, you know, I, I had worked in the pet industry beforehand. Um, I had worked in pet food. Um, and I had gotten an idea of, you know, different niches, and especially the pet treats market. I kind of noticed that a lot of the different pet treats out there were just boring, bland, and pretty much the same thing with different packaging. And so um, when I had kind of stumbled upon this idea, I thought, well, what, what is a good way to market something that would be different than everything else that's out there? And, you know, beverage in general would be something that is completely different because you can't really find beverages for, for cats right. and dogs. And the idea of a, of a wine that you can actually share or, you know, you can have a glass of wine, get a little tipsy and then pour a glass for your cat or dog. sounded pretty fun to do. And so that's kind of where I, where I approached it from. Um, and that's where the, you know, the idea spawned, you know, as a joke, but um, as I started yeah. taking it seriously, and most, you know, like I said, most friends would just sit there and laugh <laughs> at me and make fun of me saying, oh, God, Brandon's going crazy. Make it <laughs> I had taken it seriously. And, you know, I had worked with different government agencies to ensure that we, we followed all the right protocols in making this and, you know, put it out there and marketed it just like a uh, any other pet treater food that's out there, too. So well, I think it's wonderful. Really I applaud you. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's Thank so you. different. I'd name a couple of the wines because they have such cute names. I'll, what, I'll what even give you a hint of what's coming, too. So, okay. uh, some of our flagships are the Pinot Meow, which is our red wine. <laughs> the Moscato is our yellow or white uh, wine essentially for cats. We have uh, two dog wines: the Chardonnay, which is our our white for dogs, and the Zinfandel is our red. <laughs> and then we so have a couple cute. more coming. We that have a new is... uh, cat wine coming out called the White Kitten Dell, and then we have another dog one coming out called the mall bark <laughs> oh, so we've got a lot on our plate here that's for sure <laughs> i mean i think it's wonderful you you are based in uh, denver one of my favorite spots in colorado when you first started to market the wines did you have good response or were people wondering is that a person wine or how did that work <laughs> yeah they, a lot of people yeah. ask that question they, they say can we drink this too yeah. <laughs> you totally can if you like beets and a little right. bit of salt i guess but uh <laughs> But it tastes uh-huh. terribly wise. I think dogs and cats have a different palate than us, so they like absolutely. But so- um, yeah, the, the reception originally was really cool. It was really awesome at first. I mean, a lot of a lot of folks were just stunned by it. They said, "Hey, what what, what are you making? It's coming out of Colorado. You guys are crazy out there." You know? Right. Like, oh, you know, it's a very innovative place in general here in Denver too. And so, and that really helped inspire us a little bit more in terms of building a product that um, is completely different than anything else out there. Oh, it really is. And what a great gift to give others, you know, as holidays come up. Uh, Where can people buy your wine, see what you're doing, Brandon? Give us your links so we can have our listeners click on. Sure. Yeah, I would would recommend everyone go on to ApolloPeak.com. That's A-P-O-L-L-O. 
P-E-A-K.com. You can also find us on, on Amazon, but uh, PapaPeak.com actually has a store listing where we have stores across the U.S. that people can pick us up. You can also purchase directly on our website, and we ship direct to uh, consumers as well through there. Well, terrific. So Brandon Zavala, the president and founder of Apollo Peak, making dog and cat wines. I'm definitely going to have to get some of these, Brandon. I wish you uh, much success and um, your final words to folks out there who might be thinking about trying to be a pet entrepreneur as well. Thanks you, thank you for everything. And for anyone out there that wants to try to get into the pet industry in general, I just say, hey, you know what, give it a shot. Don't stop. Don't let your dream fall apart just because people will tell you that it's funny or silly. Just get out there and have fun. That's that's really what we do here. So That's so great. That's great advice. Plus, your cats look extremely happy. So you must be doing something <laughs> right. Thank you so something much, Brandon. Well. And now we welcome pet entrepreneurs, Karen Mertz, who is the president owner of Canine Studio Dog Grooming Salon, which is located in Greenwich, Connecticut. And Mario Pablo, who is the brand manager for the K9 Studio. Karen is not only a terrific groomer, but she also has a wonderful line of new grooming products, which are available and they are custom created. So I'm going to start with you, Karen. Uh, let us know how you got started as a groomer and how you developed this wonderful salon, because it really is an unusual grooming studio. Uh, you offer so many wonderful services. You welcome all different types of dogs. I'm very impressed with your business. Thank you. Yes, I just started the grooming basically because I really, truly love dogs. Uh, I was looking for a place myself for my own dogs, Max and Snoopy, which Max is a 98-pound Doberman and <laughs> is a 3-pound dog Yorkshire Terrier teacup. Um, I couldn't find a place around uh, just to take both uh, that I felt that it would be nice and clean and caring. That was really important for me at the beginning. And um, so that's why I actually opened up my own business so I can have those services and provide same services for all dogs around and friends and family. Yeah, I mean, I love the fact that you welcome all breeds because yeah. I know I have a larger breed. I have a Bouvier, and she's about 132 pounds. And, you know, there are some places that are, they don't want to deal with that. So I love that you welcome every single breed. And I think that is probably one of the keys to your success. Would you say that? I mean, was it hard to develop a business at first? I had to do a lot of research in terms of dog and their behaviors and all those things. Uh, mainly for me, uh, people start telling me that it's really hard because dogs, you know, they usually bite. They hate going to a groomer like you. They don't like uh-huh. going to a vet. Um, you're going to have a lot of problems, a lot of issues. And it was really funny that at the beginning when we start, you know, welcoming our friends and, and people and friends and everybody recommending Every time they come in, they'll say, well, my dog bites. My dog is really has an anxiety problem. And we said, not a problem. We're going to make sure that we'll address that. We're very calming. Uh, the staff is really calming, caring. It's one-on-one versus going to a groomer that have 15, 20 dogs running around at the same time. It's basically one-on-one from when you drop off your dog and when the dog leaves. So if you drop off your dog, the guy from the bathing station picks up the dog, gives them three shampoos, a nice conditioning. So that will be a 30-hour, 40-minute service. From there, you'll go to the dryer station room, which there's somebody else there hand-drying the dogs properly and, and caring and, and brushing them properly to set up for the groomer then doing the final job in the grooming station 
and making sure that the detailed job is it's happening. And then when he's almost ready, we'll call a customer 15 minutes prior to finish. And as soon as you walk in the door, the dog will be walking out of the grooming station to you. So no caging. We try and, you know, make sure dogs feel comfortable and happy and walking around only with us. Not yeah. much interaction with other dogs because sometimes the dogs are not too happy with one another. We want to mm-hmm. make sure they're comfortable. Yeah, I, I love that. I really do. And I have to put in a little personal note here because recently I was at a charity event for animals and I saw Karen there and she just went up and she offered to groom for free all of the shelter dogs. And I thought that that was really wonderful. So kudos to you, Karen. I mean, that's it's nice to work with a business that gives back like that. And especially one that is really an outstanding business. And it really is different than the typical groomer. So I love that. And I think that's important for our listeners to hear how you did get started and how you've created this wonderful space. I know, Mario, some of the things that you're doing now are that you're creating your own products our show is heard around the world, so maybe some people can't bring their dog to you, but they can get your products. Talk about that for a moment. So definitely. We're working on expanding the Canine Studio brand um, as much as we can here locally first. But obviously, thank you for um, for getting the word out to just all animal and dog lovers throughout the world. The easiest place to learn anything about Canine Studio would be our, our website, which is canine-studio.com, just how it sounds. And you can also follow us on Instagram, which we'll be, we'll be launching very soon at Canine Studio Groomers. In terms of our products, we know that every dog is different, just like every owner. And we just want to cater to them, whether it be something like, for example, a lot of dogs have sensitive skin. So mm-hmm. all our products, we have, you know, the, let's say our standard or our select shampoos, but we also offer organic And it's not something that we just pick one brand and and stick to it. We're actually sourcing the right brands for the right dogs. So with the research that Karen's been doing in regards to seeing what's best for each breed, we're bringing that and applying it to our own products. Believe it or not, one of the products that we get that people rave about is actually a candle. So we're we're branding a candle now uh, with canine, and it it actually eliminates all dog smells. So we actually have... Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) I I use that for my Enoki, Mario. (laughs) Definitely, definitely. You know, we we don't want that. We want want people to feel as comfortable. We want the dogs and and the the owners to feel as comfortable as possible when they visit us. And um, we can, you know, we can close to guarantee that we we handpicked our staff, we handpicked our groomers. And we want people to know that it's not, you know, every dog doesn't get the same haircut. You know, every every breed is different, and we want to make sure that we apply the right details to each breed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really it really is wonderful. The products um, now, if people have questions, you said they can find you on the website and ask you questions, maybe about some of the grooming products as well, because I know that Karen is working very hard, as you said, as you are, to create these, and they're a little bit unusual, and then they smell so good too. It's hard to smell them over the radio, but uh, uh, what kind of work goes into that? You two collaborate that together, and I guess that's an offshoot of the uh, actual salon. Exactly. So, so the the best way to look at it is just is trial and error. Actually, so like Karen mentioned years back when she was looking for a groomer, she was she, she felt that the 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 places that she visited fell short. One from just detail, like I said, all breeds have a different way of styling. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's the first part, and the second part would be that you can kind of read your animal and just see that you know they weren't the best that they could be after that particular visit. Absolutely. 
So trial and error, you know, a lot of work went into the actual space in regards to making sure that each dog is treated as an individual um, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, all together, um, respecting that every breed has its own temperament. Um, and then with the further research that we've done, we, re- we realized that everything from, you know, the type of fur, the type of hair, the type of clippers that we use, the type of organic shampoos that we use, and we're not married, we're not married, like I said, to any particular brand. What we're doing is we're sourcing the right brands that offer the right products. And then what we don't find, we're actually working on making our own and branding it with the Canine Studio name. Absolutely. So those are, those are coming soon, I guess. Exactly. All of those products are in the works, but they will definitely be accessible on canine-studio.com, just like our gift cards. Mm-hmm. Um, what's, in, what's really important with um, you know, you asked a question before in regards to, like, it's, is, it, is it hard to run a business or, or how do you start? In reality, it, it starts with the service. You know, all our services are, are hand-trimmed or hand-done services versus just, you know, putting a, putting a machine over a dog and just shaving them. We're a little bit more meticulous on our end. Well, now, let me ask you, uh, and both of you can answer this, what advice would you give to people who might be interested in becoming pet entrepreneurs? Karen, I'm going to start with you. Is it a long road? Is it exciting that you were able to create this? Yes, it was. Uh, at the beginning, I had to do a lot of studying, a lot of, you know, understanding about the breeds different and uh, how, you know, everything is It's more detailed about all the different dogs and mm-hmm. You know, the products in the zone and all those things was kind of hard for me to, at the beginning, to make sure that I dress it properly. Right. But I guess, you know, if you put love in what you do, everything goes great. That's well said. And what about you, Mario? If somebody is thinking, mm, that might be fun to do. Personally, I think what works best for Karen and Canine Studio is the, the education portion. So one of the things that our clients, re- and, and, you know, anybody that's an entrepreneur, I would recommend you know, educating their clients. So yes, mm-hmm. research that goes into learning about the different breeds, you know, seeing, you know, the different products, the different uh. effects on skin, on hair, on fur, etc. It's not just about having the product. It's also about educating the client about those products and which ones would be best for their breed. So yeah. we always, it's, you know, come, you know, come pay us a visit and let's learn together how we can do the best job for your breed. Fantastic. So once again, tell folks how they can find you. You're in Greenwich, Connecticut. It's Canine Studio Dog Grooming Salon. And uh, you have a website? And yes, yes. Are you on Facebook? or I know there's yes. so many places now. <laughs> We're doing our due diligence so that we can be easily found if the words Canine Studio Groomers are searched for together. But the domain name is canine-studio.com. And then our Instagram and Facebook social media handles are K9 Studio Groomers. Um, that's us. And, and um, in regards to where we are, we are found at 358 West Putnam Avenue in Greenwich, Connecticut. Fantastic. Well, I thank you, Mario. I thank you, Karen. I wish you, you continued success. And I thank you for being part of the show. Please. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Lauren and Mark. Thank you. Uh, And thank you, everybody out there, for listening to My Dog Digs Dirt. We will have another fantastic show coming up shortly, but thank you for being part of this show. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.